Hello, and welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the media by us. My name is Brent, and I'm here today with Chris Hello. and TJ. Hi. And we're going to be talking about things we've been watching, and follow it up with a quick rundown of recent news, and also give you our advice as to what you should go watch at the movie theater this weekend. Let's start with the watch list. Shall I go first? Or should y'all go first? I was going to say, we'll go first. <laughs> Chris, what you been watching? Nothing. Okay. TJ, you want to go? <laughs> yeah, I think me and Chris have watched not much except for Survivor, which we'll hit later. Yeah. But um, I watched one movie I want to talk about. Uh, cemented in my bottom five year-end list Ooh. is uh, The Meg. <laughs> I watched The Meg. <laughs> Going back to like when we first started and Chris is like, I feel bad talking shit about movies because nobody sits out to make a bad movie. I'm not convinced with this one. It was that bad. They, uh, in all seriousness, the main problem was they they didn't go campy. They didn't go like Piranha. I heard that was an issue with the movie that it tried that it sort of like tried to straddle the line between that and serious. I don't know if they tried to straddle it. Oh, they just thought they, was they trying just went to be full serious. In a movie about have, a giant shark. When you have bad writers and bad actors, that. It's like a recipe for disaster. It's horrible. You hold your tongue. Jason Statham is a great actor. He does. He didn't have he much does, to work with. He does mean British guy really well and mean British driver guy really well. <laughs> I think this was American. <laughs> I couldn't really tell at times. Um, there was one point when um, the lead female, Su Yin's father, dies, and he's like the philanthropist guy. Okay. He dies, and he says, Sometimes. You think the world might just stop. Give you a second. But then it doesn't. <laughs> Profound. <laughs> Cassandra and I just like slow looked at each other. Like, what is happening? You made Cassandra <laughs> watch yes, it? we watched it after the Georgia-Auburn game. <laughs> nice. It was the Georgia-Auburn game. The commentary was better. The, the speaking in the Meg. Uh, there are three Megs. So you get to see him kill three sharks. So that's fun. Whoa! I, it's called the Meg. Yeah. <laughs> well, one was biggest, not some Megs. <laughs> Few Megs. Um. Yeah, they're kind of saved by like what look like hundreds of great white sharks. Um. So those aren't dangerous, I guess, if there's a big shark in the water. So that's nice. It was just awful. The special effects. It looked like a. Like it may have been one of the top five sci-fi movies, like the channel. Yeah. <clears throat> if it was aired there, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. It was just a garbage movie. I gave it one star because the shark didn't talk. That, <laughs> up to the half star. No bad dialogue from a shark. <laughs> Did you watch the post-credit scene? Uh, yeah. Okay, I was. I didn't even know if there was one. I yeah. just. I was going to tell was, you that, I was going to lie and it say hints that the shark talks, does a monologue at the end. But. It, it hints that there are baby sharks, I think. But it's kind of not even post-credits, it's like during, yeah. not like during credits, like the credits stop, but like. Wait, how is that a reveal if there's already multiple Megs? Yeah. Isn't it kind of wasted if they already admit that there's like, well there's a few of them. So they're stuck at the bottom of the ocean. Stuck? Yep. How? It's too cold. <laughs> There's a uh, the bottom of the ocean sea. I think that's why Kelly's still at home. <laughs> the bottom of the ocean is hot because of volcanic vents and whatnot. Then there's a shelf of very cold water. Uh, then it, it warms up again, and they can't get through the cold water. 
or else they die. So they just can't. <laughs> so basically, this is an this is a uh, environmentalist movie because as the oceans heat up, that's gonna get, that's gonna embolden these megs to come kill us all. They had that window. They could have gone that way, but instead, uh, I can't remember now because I've read the book. It was also awful, <laughs> but. I can't remember if he, he either rides up a volcanic, like, vent. Like, the shark, like, hops a ride like Mario, kind of, and just zooms up. Or like an animorph riding a thermal. Yes. <coughs> uh, or, <coughs> and one is the movie and one is the book, I can't remember now. Or he rides the um, the blood of a whale, he a squid he kills, because the blood's hot. Blood it's hot. He, so he just gets in the blood and rides it up. True, true, blood is hot. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see it. I mean, it's, it's kind of selling us on this movie. Oh, it's so it's it, it is worth a watch because it, it'll, you'll just you'll get the laugh and giggle. I mean, I have too much hair in my head. I do need to pull some out. Have a tablet or a phone in your hand because you'll get bored if you don't want to, you know, read stuff. The science shit is so great. They uh, they're teaching you what a meg is. Yeah, because can't just say big fucking shark. Yeah. Uh, so like Megalodon prehistoric it had no predators and then it turns at one point on the screen like it's doing it's rotation yeah. thing and it just opens it's mouth to look real menacing <laughs> on the science screen <laughs> <laughs> fuck I, there's something about the way that they named that movie that makes me think that like some company owns the name Megalodon <laughs> so, so like you know in video games there's a thing where uh, the first Dota was a mod to a game owned by Blizzard, but then Dota 2 is owned by Steam and Valve. So they can't call it Defense of the Agents 2, because that's not a thing. But they can call it by its acronym now. Oh, weird. Because it's just tied up in, like, licensing. Maybe It's like, well, there's, you know... Well, CBS has Megalodon, so we can't call it the Megalodon. Yeah, I mean, the whole, like... Catalyst for the movie is it opens with Jason Statham trying to rescue some people in a crashed submarine. And, what? <laughs> and uh, he was rescuing them. He makes a decision that he's gotten out as many people as he can. He can't save the rest. So he closes the hatch, gets away, and the submarine blows up, immediately killing everybody that he left behind. That's that seems logical. He yeah. made the right decision. But the whole movie is you left those people behind, you could have saved them. Even though they knew the submarine blew up Moments. immediately after he made the call. Yeah. Wait, is Jason Statham in the military? Unclear. <laughs> wait, wait, so he's just like a contract submarine rescuer? Yep. <laughs> he's like the really best diver people, on Earth. I really hope some people occasionally salute him, but not consistently. <laughs> There'll be weird things, like it was a sequel. Like So one of the sub-divers that they have in the philanthropist... The, the the Asian guy, Rain Wilson, is like the financier. Yeah. He plays like a billionaire. Um, the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he meets the girl they've hired as a subdiver, and he, the first dialogue between them is like, I told you so. And she's like, did you come all this way to tell me so? <laughs> Nothing else, knowing that they've known each other ever. I don't, I didn't understand that at all. It's uh, just fucking miserable. It's just so bad. Worth a watch. Sounds so cool. <laughs> it's not. It's not room yeah. bad. Yeah. 
I would not recommend it. But, I mean, the graphics weren't even that good. There's nothing to like about it. There's a, a horrible, the, the song, that the score for the film is a Thai version of Hey Mickey. So that gets real annoying real fast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's like a Thai pop band's cover. It's it's bad. T-pop. Yeah. No dogs die. They they threaten one in the trailer. It survives. I guess you might call that a twist. <laughs> I was kind of invested in the dog's life as opposed to most of the characters. There's a character named The Wall. Don't know why he's named that. He's just like a guy on the boat. Yeah. What? You just remembered a wall? No, I just remembered that I watched something. (laughs) But I'm not going to drag on anymore about the man. Don't watch it. It was really bad. I was trying to think if there was a... The kid actor's bad. Masioka's in it. Cool. Dies first 10 minutes. Is that it for you? Yep. (laughs) It was a great What did you watch, Chris? Uh, It made me think of it because you said The Wall. And the movie that I watched, there's a character called Everest. The Great Wall? Did you watch The Great Wall? (laughs) (laughs) No, I watched Hotel Artemis. Oh, nice. Yeah. How was was it? It's a a lot of fun. Okay. It's like, it's it's not really um, as impactful or effective as John Wick is about taking action and letting that be the art. Um, Sterling K. Brown is pretty awesome in it. Um, uh, Jodie Foster is strange in it. Is she a villain? No. She's, um... Uh, Jeff Goldblum. She's... Plays Niagara slash Wolf King. So, <laughs> so when I saw the, like, the, like, the names of characters, <laughs> um, I was really kind of put off because they're like Honolulu, Waikiki. And so the whole fiction to kind of plot summarize is there is a hotel in Los Angeles and there are hotels like it around the world that criminals can pay X amount of dollars to go get treated for wounds. And there's no cops and it's just a... tagline is no guns, no cops, no killing. Yes. Those are the three rules (laughs) at the hotel. All right. Um, good tagline. So, in order to keep with the, uh, you know, we shelter criminals, we don't ask questions. Uh, whenever anyone checks into the hotel, they get a their name is whatever the room they check into. Um, so, like, that's why Wolf King, Nurse Wakiki, is Niagara, nice Everest, Acapulco. Yeah. Okay. But it, it's it's fun. There's not a lot going on in it. They, like, try and spin this really, like, tangled web of all the guests at this point where there's, like, this really terrible riot happening in L.A., which is why the it's, like, a strange day at Hotel Artemis as opposed to normal. Okay. Um, it's basically, like, keeping everyone trapped in the hotel. <clears throat> um, they try and spin this web where, like, they all know each other. Sterling K. Brown, like, knows the woman who's there. And they were, they have history, and then, you know, the big crime boss coming in, like, they all know him, and they're going to have vendettas against, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really work. Um, It's just, it's just all pretty plain on its face. Uh, Is there action? Yeah. But not, not, not until late. Okay. Um, 
I'm curious as to Jenny Slate, Zachary Quinto, and Father John Misty. Are they? Yeah, I forget who Father John Misty is in it. P22? Not not a character that they ever speak to. Okay. Uh, he might voice one of the cops. Okay. Um, but yeah, Zachary Quinto is good. He plays Jeff Goldblum's son. Um, but he plays that type, like crime boss's son. Um, who's just like, he's kind of a, like annoying little whelp. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Brian Tyree Henry, I think that's his full name. Yep. Uh, he's really good in it. You know, he's the, he's the lead from Atlanta. Yeah. He's Paperboy. Uh, he plays Sterling K. Brown's brother and they've got good chemistry. Sterling K. Brown's just so fucking good. He's act, good in everything. his face off. Yeah. yeah. He's just, he gets a couple opportunities to monologue a little bit. Um, He's like a he's kind of like a like a master pickpocket, so it's fun to see him like interact with characters and you know you're like oh what do you walk away with? Um, Charlie Day is Charlie Day and the the lead not the lead but the the Sophia supporting Mutella. yeah she's really fun she's she's the, she is the character who has the big fight scene oh she's from Star Trek Beyond and uh um the Kingsman. The knife leg. Oh girl. yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, her scene's really fun because she, uh, basically like like literally draws a line in the sand and is like, "Don't cross my line." Does and she have good action scenes? Yeah, because she has great action scenes in Atomic Blonde and um, Kingsman, Kingsman, mm-hmm. and Star Trek. Yeah, Beyond. Well, she and she and she and uh, Dave Bautista plays the character in Everest. Makes How's sense. he? Great. Yeah, Dude he's so act. good, man. He's been good in everything. His scene in uh, Blade Runner is so fun. That opening, he's so good. I'm he. I'm wondering if he's getting a little typecast because of those movies, and then this one, he plays like gentle giant. Yeah. Um, and even like Drax to some extent is that right? Uh, but he does it really well. Yeah. Like the um, he his whole thing in this movie is he's he's like the like orderly in the hotel and hotel slash hospital. And he keeps, like, saying to people, like, see this badge? This badge means that I'm a medical professional. Like, I cannot harm you. My goal is to help you. And then, you know, he takes the badge off at one point and then starts fighting people. Oh, nice. So he's... He's that again. Cool. Um, but, yeah, it was fun. I'd give it three stars. I didn't put it on Letterboxd yet, but I'm going to do that right now. It's a average of three stars on Letterboxd, 2.9. Um, I was going to see what it's... Scores were on the big two websites. It's a um, 57% on Rotten Tomatoes. Four out of five from Empire. Six on IMDb. So, seems like across the board it's kind of... Six is high for IMDb for a 57 on Rotten Tomatoes. IMDb is generally pretty fucking high on movies like this. Oh, yeah. That's true. This is the kind of movie that... Yeah. And to be users would like. Yeah. Well, cool. I kind of forgot that movie came out. I think I it was too. recommended by one of us when it's on its opening weekend. Yeah. But so, yeah, go to it if you want to see kind of a like a fun little crime story um, set in the near future. Don't expect John Wick. Good to know. Brent. Okay, I watched a few movies. A couple of, uh, couple of rewatches and a couple of... New to me, at least, movies. Um, I'll start with the worst one that I watched. Uh, this is a movie I really liked when it came out, came out when I was in high school, and I think I just really liked the 
sort of generic cop hunting down a serial killer or a mystery culprit or whatever. And uh, I rewatched Along Came a Spider, the uh, Alex Cross movie with Morgan Freeman. It's about a senator's kid gets kidnapped from a school. Man, it's a it's really just so generic. And the acting, <laughs> the acting in that movie is really bad. Uh, except for Morgan Freeman, who, in a rare leading role, gets to, you know, I don't know. I feel like that's the one redeeming quality of the movie is that Morgan Freeman gets to be the star of the movie and not not secondary to yeah. anyone. The movie's got a young Anton Yelchin. Yeah, he plays uh, the friend of the little girl who gets kidnapped. He's a okay. Russian diplomat's child. Yeah, I do feel like uh, Monica Potter, who's the female lead in Long Came Spider, is the like, we need a girl in this movie, quick. Like, I think I know her from like Patch Adams. Yeah. I think she was the... She's the, we're not paying for Julia Roberts, right. but can we also, get a Julia Roberts type? Dylan Baker, if you don't know Dylan Baker's face, yeah. look that up. But like, he's in every mediocre movie ever. Yeah. It's not good. It's so, not a good movie. So have you seen um, Kiss the Girls? Yes. Kiss the Girls, and I've seen it. I've seen, I, I caught part of Kiss the Girls recently. That's the Gina Davis one, right? No. Kiss the Girls is also Morgan Freeman. It's Ashley Judd, and it's about a uh, about a serial kidnapper kidnapping beautiful women and keeping them in like an underground bunker. Yeah, I, just, I think I get And kissing them. Yeah. I, I think I'm thinking of... Uh, the Kiss the Girls. Gina Davis, Sam Jackson. The maybe? Long Kiss Goodnight? Yes. Yeah. Which is a Shane Black movie. Sleeper Cell kind of thing. I'm not sure. I've never seen it. I think she's like a spy that wakes up. Anyway. Um, not, not something any of us watched. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is the sequel to Kiss the Girls. Yeah. And uh, Kiss the Girls still holds up a little better than this one. Um, I don't think either one's great, but Kiss the Girls is, is a little more thrilling as far as the, the you know, tension building. Is it a... A true sequel or kind of like a... It's a true sequel. Okay, so not like Angels and Demons to... No. It is... Morgan Freeman plays Alex Cross in both. And it is, it is a... I didn't know if they reference or carry over from the first one other than just that character. Like, I wouldn't call Angels and Demons a true sequel to Da Vinci Code because it's not... It's just a retelling of a story with the same actor. Yeah, te- technically also it's a prequel to Angels and Demons. Well, the book is. I don't know what they did with the movie. They don't reference no, the Vision Code at all. Yeah. Okay. No, I would actually say these are similar to that okay. in that respect, in that there's not what happened in Kiss the Girls has no bearing on what happens in Along Came the Spider. Okay. You don't need to see one to see the other at all. Because I mean, like, in, it's like Morgan Freeman, the only yeah carryover. Like Tom Hanks is the only carryover. I mean, there might be his like his detective buddy or something in right. Washington Police, but that's it. Um, Carrie Ellis. Carrie Eloise is in Kiss the Girls. Okay. Um, he's like the local... He's the local FBI agent, I think, investigating. Um, next movie I watched... Uh, I watched with Ashley. It was a 2017 movie that I had not seen. Ooh. Uh, the Beguiled. Oh. We did not see that either. I know. Yeah, it's, it's David a, did. Um, I thought the movie was good at one thing, and that was creating atmosphere. Uh, it does a really good job of uh, creating sort of a sense of, of dread. Like, this is a situation... Do you know the basic story? No. Of, it's a, uh, a Civil War soldier, a Union soldier, gets... Uh, he, he sort of wanders onto the property of this uh, all-girl 
sort of boarding school boarding school in the South. Well, in Virginia during the Civil War, and he's a Confederate soldier. He is a Union soldier. Okay, and uh, they sort of take him in, and at first they're a little leery of him, and then over time they all start to become very enamored with him, and you can just sort of sense the building dread of like this is not going to end well. Like, when Kirsten Dunst starts to fall in love with him. And then you can also see Nicole Kidman, who's like the headmaster of the the school. She's definitely looking at him very longingly. And then there's uh, Elle Fanning, who is... love Elle Fanning. You know, coming of age sexually in that movie, where she sees, like, there's a man that's around... And he's just sort of trapped there while he's recovering. And uh, it's like a weird sense of like, it's a weird mix of like, I don't know, it's like erotic tension, but like not not in a sexy way, It's it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know, it does a really good job of, of building all of that. The, uh, it sets the stage and then I don't really, it doesn't really have much to do. I was going to ask, like, the turn isn't good. It's just, no, it's just sort of, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and it's just, that's sort of it. Yeah, so there's no, like, right angle in the story? I don't know what the point of the story is, really. Okay. David's got a review on the site um, from when he watched it last year. Yeah. Um, And he says that it's, that he kind of pins Sofia Coppola as uh, not very interested in plot, but excellent at writing mood. Okay, so basically the same take I had, yeah. Yeah, it was just uh, very. A lot of it's very beautiful because it's just you know old. Even though it's not on a plantation, it's like just that sort of plantation scenery of right, which is which is very pretty. But um, I I liked the movie. I just I didn't didn't love it. Um, I've never seen the original, and I, I'm I'm curious how that would compare because it's. Clint Eastwood, yeah, in the Colin Farrell role. Yeah, it looks like you and David kind of agree. I think David put it four stars. You put it three stars. <coughs> it's average on Letterbox is three and a half. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so in, in his review, David says the Sofia Coppola intended this to be a retelling of the the novel and not the first film. So I imagine there's going to be some heavy differences. Um, but he also says uh, that <coughs> uh, would he recommend it? Is it watchless worthy? Uh, and it makes sense for your difference in the number of stars. He says, the movie's not a good hang. It's it's a self-serious mood movie. If that's your bag, dig in. Which is like, that David, is totally David. David's bag. Yeah. And I wouldn't consider that a Brent movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, this was a, the next movie was a rewatch for me. I think it's my second watch. Um, Full Metal Jacket. And it's the first watch in probably 15 years for Full Metal Jacket. And... I had remembered about half that movie pretty well, and I'd forgotten the other half. And after rewatching it, I realized why. Because the first 45 minutes of Full Metal Jacket, if in isolation, is one of the best military-related movies I've ever seen. Yeah. After that, there's still an hour and 15 minutes more, and it's not that good. Yeah. But it, yeah Full Metal Jacket in country is a letdown. Yes. Yes. And it's not bad in country. It's just very. It's just stuff we've seen before, you know. It's just right. horrors of war, which other people had done first and better. 
Um, but the basic training in Full Metal Jacket is incredible. Just yeah. the dynamic between um, Arlie Ermey yeah. and Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, the two of them are incredible in the movie. Yeah. And it's it's no coincidence that when you lose the two most fascinating characters in the movie, the rest of the movie suffers as right. a result. Because those two dominate every scene they're in for the first 45 minutes. And then they don't they don't go to Vietnam. Yeah, the first you know act feels like a Kubrick film, too. Like as much as something can feel like a Kubrick film, he's all over the place. But it felt interesting and shot interesting. Like I, this, the suicide scene, especially, it's like shot low. I feel like I remember, like kind of mm-hmm. up behind Vincent D'Onofrio. Everyone's you're sweating. seeing him at a profile. He's sitting on the toilet. Oh, that's right. Army walks in, and you're sort of down. Yeah. From uh, Matthew Modine's sort of perspective, but right. but even though Matthew Modine's not like squatting or anything, I feel like it's shot from that angle to make him feel very small in this room of of like big things. I, I really like Matthew Modine in the first forty five minutes too because you know he's conflicted. He tries to help Pyle, but at the same time he also participates in the beating of Pyle with. Uh, when they they put their what soap yeah in, soap socks soap socks yeah um, it's called soap socking and <laughs> everybody knows that is Matthew Modine the bronze medal winner for you for this sounds like D'Onofrio and Ermy are your top two for sure it's kind of nobody else it can be yeah he he's Joker right Modine his, yes his yes yeah 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 um yeah I mean that early Ermy performance is uh. I mean, it's it, one of those AFI like reels. Well, like, yeah, that character is one of the most infamous characters in cinema history, and it, it's because yeah, the, the the casting story behind it is hilarious. That he was a gunnery sergeant, wasn't he? he yeah, he was a yeah. he was a gunnery sergeant, drill, boot camp instructor, and he was there on set to con- to consult for actors who were screen not screen testing, but who were reading for the part of uh, the instructor. Oh, oh. and. Uh, someone came in to audition and he dressed them down so thoroughly at all the mistakes they made during the audition that Kubrick was like, no, we want you. Just do that. Yeah. yeah. I'll film you doing that. Yeah, it was... Uh, he made a... I mean, he's uh, passed away, I think. Yeah, year this year. Yeah, uh, this year. Okay. But um, he made he made a living off that and he earned it. I mean, yeah. that every character, even in like Saving Silverman, it was the same kind of character. Just funny. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm just loving saving himself wrong. And he's like, You boys just shit in your yard now? <laughs> the recall that's really good where they pull out, like, Is he shit in our yard? <laughs> yeah. Thumbs, thumbs up. up. I think I, what's, there, there's some movie that he surprised, surprises me that he's in. Um, he plays against type a couple times and it's it's. It's interesting. TJ well, he's in all the Toy Stories. Yeah. <laughs> Voicing the army, man. Which is great. He was in Seven. Is that what you're thinking of? Oh, maybe. Yeah, it's not completely against type. So he's, but the it's, uh, he's the captain, the, right? He's the, yeah, he's the... Yeah. He's, it's definitely a much quieter role than yeah. he normally plays. Because no one's allowed to be loud in that. Except for Spacey when he goes, Detective! <laughs> yeah. I, uh... Anyway, it, it's a movie that, like, makes me... I don't know. It's... 
I feel conflicted about the movie because on one hand, those two performances are great, and Arlie Army, I think, is like it's one of the all-time great supporting performances. Yes, in a movie. Yes, and so that makes the movie absolutely worth watching. Um, but at the same time, a lot of people consider it like the greatest war movie ever made, and it's just not close for me because the movie is just very inconsistent. So, yeah, even if you reel in that and you don't consider things like Casablanca a war movie, like Saving Private Ryan is a better film than Full Metal Jacket, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree. Yeah, and if if we're gonna hold, you know, I, I kept thinking back to uh, when we were talking about stripes, stripes and. You know, we were close to holding the last 15 minutes of that movie against it. We this thought is, hard about it, yeah. And this is an hour and 15. It's more than half. Yeah, It's over half the movie is is a bit of a letdown. Um, so, yeah, I think Stripes is a better war movie. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, this uh, next movie was a first-time watch for me. 1978's Halloween. Oh, cool. I'd never seen it before. Never seen any of the Halloween movies. Uh, I thought it was great. I thought it does the thing that I like in horror movies most, which is just creating dread. And... Because that's really all it is. There's not that much killing in Halloween. I think there's... the fr- Well, the, the first... There's the first kill in the first, like, minute or two of the movie. Oh, the kid. Yes. Michael Myers is a kid. And then... The next kill is not, I think, until about 50 minutes into the movie. It's the two couples, right? And that's it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it's mostly, but like, what I loved is just like, how Michael Myers will just stand out in the street. And he's, he's not like lurking. He's not, he's not a uh, hiding sort of villain. He is just standing out there, like looking. He's like, oh, there you are. I'm going to come kill you. And he just slowly walks across it's the street. thing me and you have talked about before where like, um, um, my fear is seeing somebody like in the middle of the street under a street light, like hundreds of yards away, like staring at me. Uh, <coughs> that's pretty much what this movie is. Yeah. <laughs> Just a lot of that. A lot of uh, point of view camera work too. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, also you see, um, this is not, this is something I heard another podcast point out. I think on film spotting, they pointed this out that, uh, no, I know the podcasts. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the point of view shifts in the movie. Because if you think about the opening scene, you see it from Michael Myers' perspective. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the movie, you're seeing things from Laurie's perspective. Like you're in the closet as Michael Myers is trying to, you know, rampage his way in. And uh, I thought that's interesting how it just slowly shifts to her throughout the movie. Um, some good long takes in Halloween, too. Yeah. It's just really impressive movie from a... Uh, technical standpoint behind the scenes score is fantastic score is great written by carpenter yeah it's not a particularly scary movie it's just a very dreadful movie Mm. um yeah i feel like it getting i mean i do think nightmare on elm street the original is is pretty good i think friday the 13th is pretty shitty but it's it's weird that those three movies got lumped in together because they were all like late 70s early 80s slasher movies Mm -hmm. and halloween's just different it's very different it's a really good film Mm mm-hmm um, me and Chris were talking last week a little bit about how we thought the uh, closet scene is like the iconic Michael Myers scene. Would you agree with that? Well, it's hard for me because it's the only Halloween movie from I've that movie. We oh, yes, That's- yes, yeah. As long as yeah, extend that all the way to him 
standing up behind her after she is. Him sitting up behind the couch was always super creepy too. Yeah. It's just so yeah. abrupt. Yeah, it's really good. Um, now I haven't seen. Obviously, this is the first Halloween movie I've seen. It. What would you? How many would you recommend? And what? Which ones would you recommend? <clears throat> I'd recommend two. It picks up immediately after the first one ends. Yeah. I would recommend six. Paul Rudd plays Tommy. The boy. She's babysitting. And he's like obsessed with trying to find Michael Myers. Okay. Uh, H2O and the new one. Okay. Not the Rob Zombie ones? No. Those are remakes, right? Yes. They're they're reimagined. It's a reboot. Yeah. Okay. No, the first Rob Zombie movie is okay. Uh, If it's two hours long, there's an hour and 20 minutes of him as a kid. So it dives into like the... The um, psychopathy, I guess, of Michael Myers as a child. Like, him killing animals and, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, I would say one, two, six. H2O. H2O and the new yeah. one. Would you? Yeah. H2O is generally seen as, like, a top three. Um, but. Yeah. Season of the Witch, the third one, is interesting because... It is more John Carpenter's original vision for the Halloween uh, story, where he wanted to be um, not he wanted to be kind of a like a serial movie uh, franchise where you know the first Halloween movie you've got Michael Myers like doing the babysitter murders. The second movie you've got a different killer in a different area, but it happens on Halloween. In the third movie, same, same, same. So so Halloween three, season of the witches. Um, doesn't have Michael Myers. So it's, and, it's interesting in the shift. Yeah, I actually kind of thought... I've seen some uh, really glowing reviews of Season of the Witch, the third one. So it's a... The villain is like a madman mask maker who essentially makes masks that turn people into like psychotic hmm. things. So it's like... You're not explicitly told that that's what Michael was wearing when he was a kid. That clown mask from the beginning. Oh. But that's what you're led to believe is that like changed him forever when yeah. he put the mask on. Huh. Um, but it did so poorly that they were like, no, Michael Myers. Back to Michael Myers. So four and five are another like one and two butt up against storyline about Michael Myers. But they're not that good. Um, The last movie I watched was... Uh uh, rewatched The Big Lebowski, which is uh, a movie I've never been quite as high on as most people. And uh, I think this is the most I've ever liked the movie, but I'm still... And I can see why people love the movie. I just don't love the movie. I just... I like it. I like it a lot, but not enough to... I don't think it would spring to mind as like one of my favorite... Coens. Yeah, not even my... I think Fargo's a better comedy. You're about um, average on Letterbox, aren't it? Yeah. I still feel the. I feel like that movie is just so beloved by a lot of people. There's a lot of four stars and five stars and not a lot of four and a half, which kind of makes sense with that film, I feel like. I bet there's not a lot of three stars on that movie. No. And almost nothing two and a half. I bet people either love that movie or just don't get it at all. There's, no, there's like zero blow. Oh. It starts at three. For the first, like, substantial bits. Yeah. 
Um, any acting on it that you picked up on that you thought was like great? That's not super obvious. That's not super obvious. I don't know. Like uh, the the main like I think John Goodman and Goodman's great. Steve Buscemi and Bridges are all fantastic. But I do think Goodman's great. I always thought Philip Seymour Hoffman was kind of brilliant in that movie. Mm-hmm. Lady like Sam Elliott. <laughs> I like Sam Elliott too. In that movie. <laughs> I don't have a lot to say about it. Just that I don't know. I I enjoyed it. It was a uh, what. I forget what I said about the movie. I always like Dave Huddleston, too. The guy who plays the Big Lebowski. Mm. He's such an ass. Yeah. It was always, he had fun dialogue in that movie. Yeah. I like the way the movie feels laid back like like the dude. Yeah. The tone of the movie matches the dude. Um. Anyway, that's uh, that's been about it for me. That's a couple of weeks of movies, some nice. of which I was, I had the flu for. Did you watch Survivor while you were out? I did watch Survivor. Yeah, so I guess y'all talked about Survivor last week. I've, I'm, we did. I'm behind on the podcast. We, we, we honored your demands. You said you were out. You told us to talk about the Christian face, and we talked about Christian face. Christian getting ready for that, when he's like try, putting away his jacket or something, and Jeff has to... Jeff's basically ready to start the challenge, and he's like, "Christian, are are you ready?" And Christian just so, suddenly turns to the camera and is like, <laughs> <laughs> "He does make that noise." <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's great. But um, yeah, no, this week merge episode. Uh, there are a lot of it, it made for a fun tribal council, but uh, and I also really liked um really liked the six-person alliance that was created about halfway through the episode. The 50-50? The 50-50. I think that's smart. I think it works for both. I think... Christian's characterization of it as a as a strike force, I think, is really good. Yeah. Like a... They will kind of work to keep that six safe. Mm-hmm. And then once it is clear that they have a command with the six of them then they will activate and kind of go public with it yeah the the hard the hardest part is going to be the start right pulling the trigger is always tough on stuff like that yeah because i mean it's it's a move and also you if you have one person in the six who isn't completely on board and i don't think allison's completely on board (sighs) i don't know there's somebody i wasn't quite sure on well it's 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 it's, it's three, Nick, three Davids. Nick, Gabby, and Christian from and, the Davids. And three Goliaths. It's Allison, Mike White, and, and Alec. 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 Yeah. Alec's on board. I do think Alec's on board. Alec is shaping up to make to to make moves and continue to build his resume. Mm-hmm. He's been impressive so far, but man, me and Chris talked some last podcast, Brent. This season's just been full of impressive players. This season has been full of impressive players. Also, it's. It just struck me that, I mean, when we got to the merge, I was stunned because I think I'm going to remember so many people from pre-merge this season so well. Natalie's super memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, Natalie Natalia, her her exit was yeah remarkable. It's, it's all been interesting. I think there hasn't been anybody who's just been voted out due to just not having the numbers. Yeah, Lyra's really. exit was... Lyra, yeah. Lyra, sorry. Yeah. She's so memorable. I don't know her name. <laughs> I uh, I don't know who now my that my 
preseason pick is gone. It was Elizabeth. It happens to one of us every season where one of our preseason picks, as soon as they merge, they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know who I'd pick right now. I mean, I think Christian is a fun pick. Might be a little too good at the game. And they're starting to see that already. Christian's going to start to worry everybody very soon. Yeah. And I'm aware now that Gabby does not have much longer to play that game. She can't keep her. That's right. We had the same preseason pick in Gabby, and yeah. that's uh, she, oh, she's not holding it together. Yeah. Alex up there though, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to shift my 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 favorites away from the Davids, and more looking at the Goliaths. Right. I think Big John has a. a I think obviously he's going to be seen as a threat, but. Um, he not yet. Yeah, they haven't really. I'll tell you, Mike White's also lasted longer than I thought he would, and, and he's he's playing a really smart political game too. Yeah, he is. I know we talked about it uh, the episode where his buddy got uh, voted out, um, where he immediately saw that this guy was gone mm-hmm. and distanced himself from it so as to not make them a pairing. Right. I think that Dan and Kara are both gone like as good as gone Dan lo- losing his temper at finding out that Elizabeth wanted to vote for him was is is characteristic of somebody who does not win that show right because y- you get to the merge and I mean your name's gonna come up at some point you yeah. can't get mad when it does and you can't storm off right like you have two fucking immunity idols yeah play one <laughs> yeah. you're worried about it fuck yeah so did y'all think there was a idol at the feast? I think I know where it was. Behind the thing? I think that parchment just comes off that plank uh, of wood. I there was one corner that was like up. It wasn't like flush. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I think it just comes off. Where The thing where it said everything you need to win is right here? Yeah. Yeah. There was one corner that wasn't like all the way flushed, glued down. And I was like, they wouldn't have not done it right unless, you know, I feel like everything on that setup is done with a purpose yeah so I think they just missed out on the novel there but. And, and the camera very like plaintively zooms on it like a couple times yeah but I guess yeah. we'll never know I don't know if they because I'll just save that for another season probably I, you know something it's similar it's something like Jeff may talk about it at the the reunion at the end of the year that's true they do yeah. do that some I said do 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 um but other than that, not too much to talk about because when it was a uh, with a unanimous vote, I feel like the unanimous vote uh, was basically all sides just keeping the cards close to their vest a little bit. Like nobody quite wanted to reveal their hand. Elizabeth became an easy target for everybody when she was irritating Carl, and Carl like spread like wildfire that she could go and no one would care. Right. So, especially with these people making cross alliances. Like, those are the people who really don't want to show their hand quite just yet. And so... They don't want that a lot. Yeah, they, they want to keep that in in the dark as long as they can. Right. So, anytime someone else's name comes up, they're happy. They don't... That's a... That's a... Those three days, you don't have to make a move. You don't yeah. have to make your, your big move. Right. And so, any as much as you can delay your big move, especially if you're trying to create a six-person advantage majority, then... It's 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 smart to just nod appro- in you know approval of whoever you want to take out. Yeah. Um, I did like the friction between John uh, between um, John 
Dan, and then Angelina on Angelina immediately wanting to take out Christian. And the two of them just being like, no, we love Christian, basically. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. they're both admitted that it was probably a smart move, but they were both instantly just, but he's our, he's our buddy. Right. <laughs> we don't want to take out our buddy. We love him. Um, anyway, we got any news? Yeah, I got a, got a couple items. All right. Oh, uh, hang on. I'm sorry. Yes. Before we move on, let me do one more thing on my watch list. I've started playing Red Dead Redemption 2. Nice. Which is uh, a gorgeous game and really fun. Really detailed, though. Like, holy shit, there's a lot of maintenance in that game. Yeah. You have to eat food because you get hungry. <laughs> yep. That's shit we were talking about the other night. But if you eat too much, you gain weight. Uh, you have to, sh- like, shave every few days or else you'll grow, like, a big giant beard. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not like a video game where you go to the barber and then you can pick from any of the 100 pre-programmed hairstyles. Right. You can only get your hair cut down to a hairstyle. Yep. <laughs> so, you have to, like, if you're like, oh, I want, I want, like, you know, X style, you have to grow your hair out to a length that they can cut it down to what you want. Yeah. Nice. There's the the level of detail in this game is is insane. Yeah, insane. Um, at one point, I was uh, half covered in mud because I'd been in a fist fight, and I walked into a saloon, and the bartender was like, "I hope that's just mud. <laughs> like, I hope you're not covered in shit." <laughs> yeah. Weird. And it's just insane how they can react to to that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Lost my hat. Had to go back and find my hat at one point. <laughs> it was laying there in the mud where I'd lost it in the fight. But now you got a muddy hat. Yeah. At some point, I just killed some other guy and took his hat. He probably had a good hat. He had a better hat than I did. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a. It's the kind of game where you can you can just go to. There's a lot of uh, waypoints instantly for you to to go do little missions and whatnot. Yeah. Or you can just explore for hours upon hours. I was just uh, sort of just got on my horse and rode in a direction and uh, basically discovered a town that was basically New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Game. Yeah. Li- not Liberty. What's it called? St. Denis. St. Denis, yeah. And uh, I've got like gators in the swamp down there. It's fun. It's fun. It's a lot of fun to just hop ride on a around. horse and ride around. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, I'd recommend it. On to news. Breezy on the streets. Breezy. Uh, uh, quick hit. Uh, I don't know if you've, get, you've been following, but the HBO Watchmen series is casting like fucking crazy right now. They're shooting. <clears throat> yeah. Some. I've, yeah. Heard, I've heard one bit, and that was Jeremy Irons, possibly, mm-hmm. as old Ozymandias. Nice. Um, but yeah, that's all I have about that. And I, I just like the idea of Damon Lindelof producing a Watchmen show. Yeah. They're uh, like a great fit. You know where they're filming, Britt? They're at the mall filming. Oh. Like, a mile from where we record. Oh. Yeah. Just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of open space in that mall. Yeah. yeah. So, I can see why. That's uh, popular. The other two, uh, this is awards adjacent. Um, Oscars put out their press release of the 166 movies that have qualified or will qualify that are vying for a documentary feature. Okay. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. We, uh, we included that in the show notes last episode. Chris brought up the um, foreign films, foreign that films are and submissions. Animated. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, I think I forgot the animated list, but I'll put it on the, the show notes. Anything anything official from Oscars about movies that could be nominated? I mean, we're just narrowing down until we hit January 27th, so. Anything super interesting on that list that looked I mean, it's, Oscar baby? It's everything. Yeah. If you if, if there's a documentary that came out in theaters in like this year, or it will come out this year. It's there. That you've heard of, it's there. Right. So, nothing that interesting when, it's, when the field is this big. But if your choice is between X documentary, if you're like an awards nut like us, if your choice is between X documentary that's not on this list of 166 or one that is on this list, you know, I kind of take the tax to pick one that is on the list. Right. Uh, and then the last bit of uh, news, the there was a, uh, a Critics' Choice Documentary Awards ceremony, and Won't You Be My Neighbor took down the top prize. Nice. So... Not the full Critics' Choice Awards, as far as I could tell from the blurb I read. Right. But like, their their documentary-focused one. Cool. So, Won't You Be My Neighbor? It's still a great documentary. Yeah. So I think you're still the only one who's seen it, I think. David saw it. Okay. We, we, we chatted about it uh, a couple weeks ago. Nice. I got a little snippet for Breezy. Uh, the Disney streaming service has been named. Finally. Disney Plus? Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, they also came out and said it will have Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Nat Geo, which got acquired by Fox right before Fox got acquired by Disney. Yeah. So, I don't know, it's something that I'll sign up for for sure if it's going to have all that on there. Yeah. Are they going to have, are they going to have like Viceland? I don't know. Because Viceland is owned by Disney. Vice is. I think they're going to have to pretty much have everything that they right. own streaming. Yeah. So I did read that they're going to put anything... I don't know what Viceland is, but anything that is R-rated okay. is going to probably go to Hulu. Oh, okay. Because Disney owns a stake in Hulu. I think it's like a, like a 40% interest in it's, it. Yeah, it's, it's below 50, but it's considerable. It's yeah. like 30 to 40. So, but uh, that way they're going to be able to keep Disney Plus. PG-13. PG-13 or below. So like Marvel movies are going to be about, and Star Wars are going to be probably about as, as adult Racy, yeah. as it gets. But like Deadpool will go to... Yeah, Hulu. Do they own it now? It's Marvel. It's yeah. Marvel. But it was Sony. I don't think it. I think it was. I mean, it had the Marvel title card, like the X Men movies do. Yeah. Which is Sony. That's the point you're making. Yeah. Like I don't know. Spider Man movies did also. Prior to. Yeah, but they didn't have the. Disney also didn't own them then. Didn't own Marvel then. Right. I don't know. Yeah. But, yes, a movie like Deadpool would, would, would be a Hulu. Yeah. Would go to Hulu. Yeah. yeah. I was about to say, so, like, Logan will go. I was like, wait, no, that's not. <laughs> right. It's the exact same situation. Right. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, I, there's lots of details about shows that are going to um, uh, Disney Plus, like, original series. Like, obviously, there's the one that's the the widely talked about Mandalorian. Yeah, Marvel's Fox. It's Disney. I mean, uh, Deadpool is. Oh, it's Fox. It's not Sony. That's Which is right. Disney. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I know Brady. Brady told me that uh, a friend of the podcast. Uh, Brady was telling me that uh, there's talk that all the Disney original Disney Channel original movies will be added to it, which yeah. is apparently a huge catalog. Oh, it's a big market too. That that people yeah. really really want. Yeah. Yeah, they're not available. I had no idea until Kelly just started like asking me, like, "Have you seen this movie?" I'm like, "No, I don't know. I didn't have Disney growing up, right?" No, because when I was 
this is dating me, but when I was, you know, of the age where I was watching Nickelodeon or Disney, Disney was a pay channel the way that HBO was. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we didn't, so we didn't have it. There was, when I grew up, it was Cinemax, Showtime, HBO, and Disney. Those are the four, like, pay channel options yeah. that we had. And we didn't have any of them. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't even become aware of the Disney channel until, like, like Lizzie McGuire, when I started hearing about that. So that's, like, mid-2000s, probably. I had one grandmother who had it for me at her house. So I could, like... And I would spend a couple hours there every day after school while my parents were working. Mm-hmm. So I remember I would watch, like, the Mickey Mouse Club then. And, uh, like, Kids Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Disney show. After school, like... Preteen specials. Mm-hmm. Do we know the pricing yet on Disney Plus? Haven't haven't released it yet. My guess is it'll be around nine ninety nine a month. Yeah, it'll be that'll be the cheapest it'll be. Yeah, I, I think, think it could go up to fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, I think they, I think they could even get away with going as high as nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, it's going to be an indispensable service for parents and for us thirty somethings. The nostalgia factor and just the access to Star Wars and Marvel, like I, they they really they really have. Uh, audiences like by the short and curlies. For me, I could see my what I do with it is get it for like two months and just plow through everything. So I'm curious. What we haven't seen in the streaming world yet is a service that costs upwards of twenty bucks a month that strictly that lets you only have it on a certain number of devices. Netflix gets away with it because it's ten bucks, and everybody's just like, it's not worth it. It's I'll pay ten bucks a month. You know what I mean? Right. But like HBO Go, they don't. That CEO has come out and said like, we don't care. We want people watching the content. Yeah. Right. We're never going to restrict that. I wonder how it'd be hard to busy. do. Hard to do that at twenty dollars a month per device. Yeah. Not per device, but like per. I'm just saying Netflix restricts you on devices. Yeah. You can't be like you can't be fifteen people with one Netflix account. Sure. Yeah. Like Voodoo is eight. Right. Which is essentially unlimited. I mean. Yeah. That's like a full family, a family of five people, if they all have devices, multiple devices, plus a t- shared TV and something else. Yeah, but the my tablet and phone aren't marked on Hulu as devices. It doesn't count. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just have my three devices that are in this room that are on my Hulu. I need to be less connected to technology and streaming services. I just realized how many I had. Oh, uh, I mean, it's everything, and especially with the podcast, I'll definitely sign up for Disney. And Yeah. Speaking but, of str- streaming services, I was going to mention, I don't know if y'all talked about it last week, did y'all talk about uh, Filmstruck? Yeah. Okay. Did we mention it last oh, week? Oh, I don't know if we did last week. We might have mentioned we it the week it. before when David was here. Okay. Filmstruck going the way of the dodo. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, a, there big, a replacement? A petition to save it. Oh, really? Because it was not, the, the, it's not like Filmstruck is a company that failed. No. Filmstruck was just a, it's just owned by... Warner Brothers. Yeah, and it was underperforming. They got a new uh, CEO who came in. Not CEO. It was like private equity or something. There, there was some analysis that was done, and Warner Brothers is just like axing a bunch of its properties that are underperforming. Yeah, because it can't cost them much to have it. I mean, what's the upkeep on that? You know, it's just paying for to have the Criterion Collection and stuff like that. That's, yeah, that's it. I mean, they do some. They do original content. They do. Um, they do those. Post credits like interviews and stuff. Right, they do um, interviews. They have you know sponsored lists uh, from creators. I know that you know from from magazines and stuff, but I don't know how that how that kind of deal would work. 
I'd love to keep it. I mean, we use it. Apparently, it's uh, it's that the petition has gotten some celebrity uh, push, like uh, Guillermo del Toro. Oh, um, sure, has <laughs> has yeah. been tweeting about it, like tweeting, "Go sign this, save Filmstruck." We need to watch monster movies from the '30s. I mean, really? Yeah, yeah he's just like that's we. You could go see my favorite movie ever, which is the 1940s French Beauty and the Beast. Right. Yeah, <laughs> go watch it here. Please save this. Um, so I thought oh, that was interesting. It is interesting. Um, any other tidbits? I think that's it. Mm. What's uh, coming out this weekend? Three major films: Crimes of Grindelwald. Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, the Fantastic Beasts sequel is coming out. Uh, you also have Instant Family, uh, Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne romantic comedy yeah. coming out. And uh, Widows is dropping this oh. week with Viola Davis and Daniel Kaluuya, Liam Neeson, Michelle Rodriguez. It's got a big cast. Hey, yeah, what do y'all think out of those three? I've, I fell asleep watching the first Fantastic Beasts movie. In the theater, <laughs> um, I thought it was it was okay. I thought it was pretty good. I don't know. I feel like I'm just. I feel like it just. Each new one just seems like more of just uh, clinging onto the Harry Potter magic. Eh. But uh, I'm I'm not real excited about. It. I would. I'm gonna pick Widows. Widows is my pick this week. Uh, I agree. Widows looks great. It's also Viola Davis and a movie that's coming out in the fall. Those tend to be really good. Um, Steve McQueen, too. Good director. Yeah, yeah good director. And Dan Kaluuya looks kind of horrifying in the trailers as the main villain. So I'm glad he's getting a big film. I'm going to pick the square-faced boy. <laughs> uh, I like Fantastic Beasts. And I also uh, like wholeheartedly reject your assessment that it's clinging on to the magic of Harry Potter. <laughs> being that the first... Fantastic Beast movie has nothing to do with any of the characters or the plot of any of the Harry Potter books or movies. It's got that little wind chime jingle at the start. Oh, yeah. It actually, it actually doesn't. I'll slide through that part. But so, and why I'm excited about this one is because they, like, Albus Dumbledore is a character in full uh, with Jude Law, and it kind of it, it ties into it, yeah. and that's what I'm interested in seeing. I'm excited for that, too. Um, Widows looks good, but, you know, this is. Uh, this is probably one in like another like few movies that are coming out in this, and I just get excited for Harry Potter movies. That is true. I, I probably there's a chance I like this one more just because it it might have less uh, mumbly. What's his name? The fat jumble jumbo boy or Newt's commander. Newt's commander. Yeah, uh, definitely got on my nerves in the first one. Um, but the the Dumbledore versus Grindelwald thing could be. Could be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So go check out um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them sequel to Crimes of Grindelwald. Johnny Depp, I think, playing the title character. Yep. And uh, reprising his surprise role from the the first film. Yeah. Uh, Or Widows. Those are our two recommendations. Yeah. Johnny Depp plays Viola Davis. There's a a good chance. Surprise. There's a good chance they're both nominated for some kind of Oscar. Oh, yeah. So um, go check them out. I think that's it. That's it. And. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been Talkie Talk, podcast for the media by us.com. That's the website where you can see our stuff. And you can also interact with us on Facebook uh, with our three different groups. We've got the we got movies by us, TV by us, and games by us. You can email us at the media by us at gmail.com. You can tweet tweet with us 
at the media by us. And the most important thing you can do is to uh, subscribe to the podcast and or give us a favorable rating of some sort. <laughs> just over two. And I just like, you know, at least make us look okay when we show our parents. And uh, <laughs> treat us the way we treat movies. You know, we want this to be good, so at least give us one star. Nobody sets out to make a bad podcast. <laughs> Sometimes it just happens. Um, and uh, last but not least, we want to thank the Willow Walkers for our intro music. Thank Willow Walkers. You can uh, check them out on Spotify yep. now, which is really cool. And uh, also, thanks to Burifa. Burifa. For our outro music. We're waiting on the deets for that album to come out. Yeah, Burifa. And that'll do it. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.